Hello and welcome to the Ben Like Bamboo Resilience Show. I believe that flexibility builds resilience and if we can master change, we can achieve so much more in our lives. It is the core ingredient to transforming health, rebuilding our lives, our success and most importantly, how we can effectively deal with change. I'm so pleased to introduce special guests on my show that are going to share their story of resilience and how they have overcome hurdles in their life um, that has got them to where they are today. So get prepared to feel inspired as we dive deep into the golden nuggets of their journey of resilience. And I'm so proud to introduce the amazing and one and only, and also a dear friend of mine, Dara Shashua. So to introduce Dara, oh hi, let's say hi. hi. (laughs) So Dara is the founder of A Chronic Entrepreneur, a blog and project that tells the stories of entrepreneurs thriving with chronic illness. She's also the founder of Byzantine Design, a collaborative space that is recognized within the design community for their authentic approach to providing creative solutions. As a young girl, Dara wanted to be an archaeologist, fascinated by the history and stories that surrounded her while working in the tile industry and inspired by that early curiosity, her passion was set when she fell in love with stone. She recognized that every piece of stone held a different story and combining the beauty and mystery of archaeology with a physical product she could hold in the palm of her hand. She knew then that stone had an energy to it that man-made products did not possess and that love of stone became an integral part of Byzantine design. So while working for others, Dara set up Byzantine design as a bathroom design business that also supplied beautiful tiles. And from here, she honored her passion and shifted the business to focus purely on tiling. What started out as a side hustle is now a purpose-led business that calls Melbourne home alongside a beautiful retail store in Paran, supplying and servicing clients Australia-wide. But that is not quite the full story. About six weeks after opening the store in Melbourne, Dara flew to Sydney and fell over while walking through a shopping mall. The fall was the catalyst for Dara's diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. While many encouraged her to close up shop, she refused, determined to keep her dream alive. So instead, she hired a team to manage the store while she went to rehab to learn how to walk again. Dara, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's so great to have you. That was quite an intro. (laughs) We have to get a thorough understanding of you and all your amazingness. So you've achieved so much. No, no, I think you don't, you forget what what you've actually done. And then it's not until you do something like this that you actually remember and or you see it through someone else's eyes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the great thing about an intro like that, isn't it? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I did that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did that. And yeah. yes, you did all of that. <laughs> and so I want to have you on the show today to talk about, you know, what resilience means to you. And I'd love to dive into some golden nuggets of, you know, you've been through a lot. And, you know, I've watched you as I've gotten to know you for quite a few years now mm-hmm. and you have a drive within you that I don't see in everybody. It doesn't exist in everybody, but you have it. And I want our listeners to understand and learn what that's all about for you and, and how you access that within yourself. So what does resilience mean to you? 
to me, I never called it resilience. I just called it that I had to get it done because otherwise no one else would. No other choice, huh? Yeah, like I just didn't. I saw the way my parents grew up and I've done everything in my power to do the opposite. So how did your parents grow up? Well, they, they both had um, traditional jobs. Mum was a stay-at-home mum until I was in year seven of high school. So I was 13 and then she went back to work, but she worked at a school and had the same job for the next 25 years until she retired. Um, she was a secretary. I don't know what you would call them now, assistants, personal assistants. Yeah. Or, um, and my dad worked, he was an accountant and then kind of worked as a bursar in a private school, just never happy in their jobs. Like the jobs weren't a fulfilling part of their lives. Yeah. Um, their relationship was also not one that I, I mean, very traditional gender stereotypes and roles and things like that, that just really push my buttons. Yeah. Um, I just kind of thought there's more to life than that. And I always wanted my own business. I started, actually, you probably don't know this, but I was in Sunday school, so Jewish Sunday school. And I started, I had my bat mitzvah, so I was 12. And then I started teaching um, kindy kids, Hebrew and things like that. That was the best paid job. I was being paid $36 an hour or something like that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you learned how to be an entrepreneur perhaps in that moment where you're like, oh, yeah. I can. And then I started a tuck shop at the of course you did. school. I love because it. <laughs> <laughs> there were no snacks. And, so, and like, I'd forgotten about this, but yeah, we used to go and buy like the small bags of chips and things like that. And yeah. then I'd just on-sell them to everyone for a little bit of a profit. Of course so, you did. Like you learned way back. Like this started when you were a teenager. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. And I think it's also, we just didn't have a lot of money. So, yeah. and I went to a private school where of course lots of people had lots of money and would get new things all the time. So it was this constant trying to keep up with that, but also, you know, just wanting what everybody else had, which, you know, we didn't get. So, so being around that environment and that, um, difference or inner conflict what do you think was born within you that related to you developing resilience it was just I had to do it I had to like there was no other way out of it like I couldn't like I've worked ever since I was 13 14 yep um did you want to naturally or were you told to oh no I think it just naturally happened yeah because I couldn't, my parents couldn't give me pocket money and stuff like that. Well, they refused to. So, And you were in an environment where everybody had, yeah. and perhaps you might've felt like, well, I don't have as much as that. So there, there's this natural drive to have Ooh. more. And I love clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you have good, <laughs> I love good them bags from and very, good clothes. <laughs> from a very young age. So I knew that. I wouldn't get the stuff that I wanted for yeah. mum. So I had to make the money to buy it for myself. What's the positive you know, thing that came out of that? I guess you learning how to provide for yourself, which Absolutely. is a, a gift, isn't it? Yeah. Like my parents have not paid for anything for me since I was 14 or 15. Well, they wow. paid for small things, but there was yeah. no support. There was no, like going to uni and stuff. I, I did yeah. a year of uni and I didn't really want to do it, but I ended up with a hex debt. 
Yeah. So it was kind of, I just worked and I enjoy working. Yeah. So you um, learn how to provide for yourself, which is why yeah. it's probably normal for you to create a look at your beautiful background, all that you have around you and everything you've created, all the different businesses mm. is just a normal thing for you, isn't it? It's not like, oh, I've got to create something out of scratch. You're like, oh, this is what you do. This is just yeah. normal for you. Yeah. I love that. Um, and so what does it mean to be resilient if you would just have one sentence? Oh, there's a quote. It has to be done by me, but I can't do it alone. Oh, I like that. I can't remember who it was. It's written on my board at home. But by um, the sounds of it, it just means it's got to come from you, that inner foundation, the root of it all. But it's also having that balance of polarity of, but you've got to recognise when to let people help you along the way. Try to, yes. That's what, resi- <laughs> yeah, that's what resilience yeah. means to you. Yeah. So, I also I- think there's a cost of resilience. Yes. Um, for me, it's that I have, like, I'm 45 now. Yeah. And I've been doing everything on my own for so long that sometimes it is hard to let other people help. Yeah, and that's massive. Yeah. Which and is so I just realized lately. But so yeah. tell me about the hurdles um, and the implications of that professionally when it, you're so used to doing everything on your own and you're not always so used to consciously automatically letting people in to help you what hurdles or do you find professionally for me when i first opened the business i had to be everything yeah i was it i was accounts i was sales i was marketing cleaner i was marketing i was customer service everything yeah i was everything yeah and the biggest joy in my life was when that day that i could hire an accountant to do to deal with the ATO and to deal with, so I guess for me to get people in to help me usually is people who I've outsourced and I pay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's also, there's lots of boundaries in those, you know, like they provide me a service and I pay them for it. It's not, I, I learned, I guess part of my reason is I kind of learned to not rely on people's word. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah, I kind of got let down by a lot of people who'd say they'd help and not just at work, but just with other things. People say they turn up and help you move. And, you know, it's just easier to just pay someone. Well, it's a better balance of power when there's boundaries and you know it's an exchange of services and and then, yeah, no, I think that's... What about personally? What have been the hurdles when you're so used to doing everything on your own and you're very driven and you're a natural entrepreneur? What are the ramifications personally in your life when you've got to sort of learn how to let people in? Oh, well, I've been single for a very, very long time. So I guess that's the big, the big cost. Learning how to let people in. Yeah. And it's just that you calcify. I mean, we've done sessions on this, but it's that you put the walls up around your heart because you don't want to be hurt. But there is a cost and that the cost is that you, you kind of lose the skills to let people in. You can relearn them, which is what I'm trying to do, but it's... yes it's hard to then rely on someone else when you've, you've just relied on yourself. I think one thing that can drive entrepreneurs, and this is the pattern I notice, and maybe even a little bit about myself is you, there's a reason you're driven and it usually yeah. comes from a bit of pain 
or maybe yeah. even a bit of trauma from the past where you're so used to just sorting it out yourself and and maybe it's about like transforming that mm. and um softening that to yeah. then learning how to be more flexible and um less rigid about there are times when you absolutely need to get things done yourself and to rise to the occasion and get it done. Yeah. And for people like you, this would be an automatic program you wouldn't even have to think about. Mm. Whereas I guess now that you're already bringing, you know, bringing exactly what you just said into your awareness is the first step of making a change where you can be as capable and successful as you are whilst learning to let, you know, more into your life and help and assistance and support um, and just being aware of it is the first step. Like, so well done you. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so can, tell me, can you share something? And it could be anything at all. It could be professionally, personally, yeah. it could be with MS, your illness, um, something you've had to overcome in your life. I think the whole period around my diagnosis and moving to Melbourne. Tell us about that. So I moved to Melbourne, um, I was, so it was June, seven years ago. Yeah. And moved down with a friend with the view to the business. I had a, a, someone who was helping me funds wise, but it was kind of essentially just me on my own every day, trying to set up a website, trying to, I didn't have a shop at that point, but the, the plan was to open a shop and find a space. Yeah. I'd also been let down by a couple of suppliers who said, yeah, we'll give you Melbourne exclusively. That didn't happen. There was just a lot of, th and then we had a big family drama and my parents stopped talking to us. There was just a lot of turmoil. And I remember not feeling right. And the, my stress levels were huge. I'd found a space to build the shop. Um, again, never built a space on my own, never renovated or anything on my own. So I had to design a space, build a space, find trades where I didn't know anyone in this city. Like I knew a handful of people in Melbourne when I moved here and no one in the industry, no one who could help me. So it was really difficult. The stress of that was huge. I was constantly walking around like this. <laughs> like no, no neck, no neck. Yeah, yeah, it was just too much. I have no neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I wasn't looking after my health and, and then I remember not feeling right and I would have a bath and to try and relax and I couldn't feel the water. And I remember saying to my flatmate, like, the hot water's gone in the bath. Um, and these were obviously the first signs of everything. And I had numbness yeah. in my underarm and I'd gone to my GP and I said, I don't think things are right. And then I flew up to, so we opened the shop and six weeks later, I flew up to Sydney for a funeral and I was yeah. in a shopping centre. I had ankle boots on and I fell over. And then within 24 hours, the whole side of my body was numb. Yeah. Very weird. Um, it took six weeks. I went to a neurologist and he said it was stress and tried to put me on an antidepressant. No, it was anxiety. And yeah. I was like, this is more than anxiety. You just knew, right? In yeah. And in that six weeks... I fell over again because I couldn't balance. So I'd actually just lost feeling in everything. Couldn't walk, had to get a walking stick. Yeah. And just, it was pretty hard. And I kind of, on my own, I didn't, my parents, were, no one was, like I had Sally, my flatmate. But yeah, and I ended up back at the neurologist, finally got an MRI. 
back at the neurologist on Friday afternoon and he's like, okay, we've well, got multiple sclerosis. And I said, well, you told me it was anxiety. Mm. Like we could have you yeah. know, overcome this a lot sooner. Yeah. Um, end up in hospital for three days on steroids, which is always interesting. Never yeah. been in hospital before ever. Yeah. Um, and then got, they did my lumbar puncture and I ended up with a six day migraine and couldn't get out of bed. So wow. I had to close my shop for a week. Yeah, that would have been epic. And then finally I could kind of get up and move. Like I could, the only time I could get up was to go to the bathroom. That was about it for five days. I just was in so much pain. And then I had to relearn how to walk. So I had to go to rehab. Yeah. I had a six week old business. And I just had, everyone was like, just come back to Sydney, just come home. And I was like, there's no way I have worked for this for so long. Yeah. You're not going to let this. Yeah. Um, and it was six months before my 40th. And I just feel it was my body saying to me, you know what, if you don't actually stop, look after yourself, you're not going to be able to enjoy everything you've worked so hard for. Like I couldn't walk down the street. Like I'm, my shop's on high street. I couldn't walk down to Chapel street because of the, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I walk down now and I'm just so grateful. that. Yeah. So how did it feel when you hit your lowest point? Like, what do you recall? What was going on for you mentally? Tell me about your lowest point and your inner dialogue. It was all that period because at the time, before I got the diagnosis as well, you kind of think that you're going a bit crazy. Like, how could this, until you get that label and that diagnosis, you're never sure what you're feeling is actually right or if you're making something up. Yeah. But I remember in my lying in my bed, like when I had that five day migraine, just going, I don't know when this is ever going to stop feeling like this. Yeah. Like, how can I, I really had no one to help me. Yeah. And people would call me and you just kind of always go, okay, well, if this is it, like I just, just end me now because I can't, I can't live like that. Yeah. So it really was rock bottom, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so tell me what was the turning point? where it stopped going down to the rock bottom to elevation? Like what was the turning point where you're like, I've got to make a change or how things started to change for you? Like what was your turning point? I think getting the diagnosis and confirming that's, I thought that's what I had, but there was another um, disease they were looking at, which I can't remember the name of, but I told my brother and he said, I said, they think it's either this or MS. And he's like, don't Google it. Muscle dystrophy or? No. Um, oh. Something, something yeah. similar. Yeah. Something, NMO, neuromyelitic. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 I say getting optic neuritis. So I'd started losing vision as well. Yeah. And I was like, vision's my whole world. It's my whole career. Like if I lose my eyesight. Yeah. Or I lose, I lost the spectrum of colour. Yeah. That freaked me out because I was just like, oh, my God, I can't. If I lose that, like, what will I do with my life? Yeah. Only seeing black and white. Yeah. Or just losing, like, the actual p- proper perception of colour. What was the experience of that, like, Ooh, living in your body? Scary. It was just, but you're kind of so sick. I went to work every day except for that. I sat there with a pirate patch on my eye. 
Wow. <laughs> look, yeah, I just, but the business kept me going. Yep. Tell me about that. Because I had to, like, I was still so excited that I actually had my little shop that I'd always dreamed about for so long. So that drive was always still there yeah, in the background. Like, I wasn't, not, I wasn't going to give up because it was one of those, you know, if I build it, I knew people would come. Like yeah. I knew I could provide a space for people to something special. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I just like, that wasn't going to stop me. So how did you how to manage it? Yeah. And so that was really bad. And you had the eye patch, you went to work anyway. How did it, how did you start to see relief? What happened after that? After that migraine lifted, you know what, like a migraine, like you just, everything's foggy. You can't actually think properly. Yeah. And I think there were a few months of me not being able to, I just did the bare minimum as well. So some days I would sit in the shop because I wasn't, because I was still new. It was very early days. So I didn't get many customers. So I actually sat there and watched movies or, but I was present. I was in the shop. Yeah. I could answer the phone. You were ready. Yeah. Yeah. But I just did the bare minimum and would go home and sleep. You know, well, that's probably why your business grew because you were there. You just, yeah. every day you put one foot in front of the other mm. and, you know, well done for you for doing that. So yeah. how is your life better now after going through that grueling time? Like if that built a muscle within you or it developed more resilience in you, I don't know, like what, how is your life better now after going through that time? I'm very good at knowing my limits or my, like my body. Like so you listen more now. Totally. This is like, it's taught me, I think the first couple of years when you get diagnosed, you're kind of, you're never sure if it's MS or if it's just a Something cold else. or if yeah. it's, you're just kind of, but once you kind of get into like year three or four, mm. you kind of work out what's what, or you can read the early warning signs yeah. that something's going to happen if you don't look after yourself. So do you think when you're really driven naturally, you, you don't listen to your intuition and that inner guidance to stop? Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. And then MS has taught me that I have to. So how do you get those signs now? What, what do you feel when you know it's time to slow down or, or stop? Um, it's the headaches. I get a bit of vertigo. Yeah. Um, I just, the tired, like, I, like eight hours sleep for me is a, like I never used to, like I'd do three hours sleep, four hours sleep, six hours sleep. But now yeah. for me, like I have to get eight hours and I have to yeah. be in bed at like nine o'clock. Yep. So you've got your routines, you, you know, yeah. your things to rejuvenate, you know, your limits. Yep. My morning routine. So like my, and my meditation, like all the things that are now a part of my daily life that weren't before that helped me manage all my stress mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so what's the main thing you learned? That, I mean, you've got to be your own advocate. Yeah. With any of this. And you've got to learn what you've got to listen to your body. You've got to learn how to take care of yourself, right? Yeah. You've got to listen to it because it gives you warning signs. Like you don't just all of a sudden wake up with MS. There's eight years or whatever of all these other things. Like I used to get six to eight weeks of vertigo, which wasn't actually vertigo. It was lesions on my brain that had inflamed, you know, and I just didn't stop. I just kept going. Whereas now I have to stop. Otherwise I will get sick. Why do you think when you were younger, before all this happened, um, you had this drive to just keep going. What was behind that drive that really enabled you to just keep going? Even when you knew you had to slow down, like what was, what were you actually trying to do when you were 
so driven. I didn't want to stop and deal with a lot of my issues, I don't think. So being busy was like a, yeah, an, esca- an escape. Was, yeah. Yeah. And I used to love drinking, going out dancing, you know, partying. Yeah. I was, I used to do a lot of that and yep. loved it. Wouldn't change any of it, but you know. Well, it looks like you learned how to channel it in a productive way, though, as you yes. grew up. <laughs> yes. Building we'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about it like that. <laughs> I've always had a, a, a very good work ethic. Like I was never, I've never been someone to take sick days unless you're sick. Yeah, like you don't take the piss. No. Never. I mean, I'd love a holiday, but wouldn't yeah. be awful. Yeah. yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, COVID, this whole lockdown has taught me that I put work way too much. Mm. Like I, I focus on it way too much. So I'm trying That's a really to- great realisation that you've had this year of just, hey, wow, I've achieved all this stuff, but, you know, but look, well, look at the parts that have suffered and look what yeah, the sacrifices been have been. Yeah. But then now all you need to do is now just put energy towards that and then you can yeah. have it all. Exactly. That's the so plan. can you give um, our listeners three tips on if, they're going through something big in their lives, a massive transformation. They might be faced with change with their health, maybe divorce, maybe whatever they're going through. What are three tips that could help them to feel like they can, that transformation is possible? For me, it's about morning routine. Yep. What's yours? I mean, get up and make your bed. Yeah. It sounds really basic. Achieve something at the, as, like as soon you as you get up. Achieve something within 30 seconds of waking up. And that translates into all the other things you do during the day, right? You already win, you know, when they all say like Tim Ferriss chased it there, it's a win the morning, win the day. And it's so true. Like I have my routine. I do the same thing. Like on my work days, I do exactly the same thing every morning. Yeah. And I'm good to go. Yeah. And on the days you don't, what happens? Well, it's the days I don't are the days I have, I, I'm not working. So I get up a bit later and my routine's a little bit different, but I have a different routine for those days. Yeah. Um, but you find like, if I'm not coping, I usually find it's because I've forgotten to meditate for a yep. week. Yeah. And then you kind of go, and it's usually just basic stuff like that. Learn meditation would be yep. my biggest. I did Vedic meditation. Oh, cool. Where's, where, where do you find that? Um, there's practitioners everywhere. It's a four day course. And you go for two hours a day, four, four days in a row. How do you spell it? Vedic, V-E-D-I-C. Well, we'll have to put it in the notes in the blog. Yeah, I, I learned with Laura Poole. She was amazing. So I can, I'll give you the details. Yeah, yeah, and we'll share it with everyone in the blog. Um, awesome. But work, I mean, every, there's all kinds of different meditations for different people and work yeah, out which one right you like. You. And it's good to mix it up and try different ways of meditating. You know, it's like you get one thing from one practitioner and another insight from others, like, you know, mm. different types of meditation can touch your soul in different ways and help yes. you. Yes. And things, and I read books. I'm a, like, at night. I have. What are you read. reading at the moment? I just read novels at the moment. I Like, I go through stages at the moment there's so much bad stuff going on you just kind of want to read a nice story just to chill kind of picture. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. kind of make you remember when you know you could go to restaurants and <laughs> I know. life what used to be like um but you just kind of want to read a nice story that's got good characters and um yeah i do that i watch a lot of movies i love film i love going to the movies i miss going to the movies yeah and theater and like yeah. plays and just 
shows, art galleries, just anything that kind of gets you out of your head. Yeah. Okay. So morning routines are really important. Meditation is really important. What else? Nature. Mm. So I, I got a dog as well. I got Fergus. Fergus. Yeah. <laughs> two years ago, two and a bit years ago. And he changed my life. Like How? He, I got him to teach me how to love something. And that little dog is so full of love that he's spot rotten. Um, but he makes me get, like I would go weekends where I would come home on a Saturday afternoon and not have to work till Tuesday and not leave my apartment. Yeah. Whereas with him, I don't like, he's got to be walk twice a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like taking care of a child. Yeah. He's your baby. But, yeah. But, and so I moved down to Morris and we're right near the dog beach. So every weekend, both days, or three days at the moment, we go down to the beach for an hour and a half. And walk there and so bring in love and joy into your life perhaps is the totally. third thing yeah, yeah and it's also just being you don't have to keep doing yeah if you want to sit on the couch for the day yeah do it own it and don't beat yourself up about it yeah yeah if you can't just keep going like sometimes you just got to it's not sustainable is it and you've got to get to the very crux of what is driving you to go, 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 to be able to really learn how to take that step back. And you've just done amazing work on that. Like you've really constantly working at it, aren't you? Like it's a constant process. And And how's your health now? Um, It's okay. I've had a bit of vertigo um, in the last, uh, kind of after stress, I get it. Yeah. Um, The beginning of this lockdown kind of hit my point of stress. So I've been dealing with a bit of that. It's fair enough in um, lockdown, isn't it? Like we're yeah. going through such huge change oh. and stress and yeah, it's so vertigo. Yeah. Um, I just collected another autoimmune disease, <laughs> um, which is, I've got some psoriasis. So apparently once you get diagnosed with one, you start collecting some others. You can. So, yes. yes. Um, so I'm excited to be starting with a functional medical practice tomorrow exciting yeah it's a six month process so i kind of again let work get ahead of me and wasn't looking after my health for the last 18 months i wasn't prioritizing it i was still looking after it but so now i'm going to go back to prioritizing it which is exciting great Mm. well that's very inspiring Mm. well done you i think you're amazing you know i love and adore you and oh right back at you Thanks, darling. Well, thanks for sharing your story and your beautiful golden nuggets of wisdom today. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, beautiful. Well, thanks to Dara. And um, I hope you guys really enjoyed the blog today. I know I really enjoyed it. I should call it a vlog. It's a vlog, video yes. vlog and podcast soon. So thanks, lovely. Thank you for Thank coming you. on the show and thanks for being you. Thanks for being you. Oh, bye. Bye.